Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Subscribe at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. As a subscriber, you'll get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. Sound good to you? Go to TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. That's TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk, built by nature. Watch Texas Football Today live every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch, and get involved in the conversation using the hashtag TFToday. Yes, yes, y'all! From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it's Texas Football Today, a show. My name's Greg Tupper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us, whether you're watching us live on texasfootball.com, on Facebook, on YouTube, or on Twitch, or you listen to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I'm sitting here, sitting over there at the helm today is Ashley Pickle, the Duchess of the Dorks. Hi. I'm mad. Not at you, but I'm looking up like who's born today, and I don't know any of okay, well, people. I have two birthdays for you. That's great, because I don't know any of these. I know Mozart. <laughs> but, like, everyone else is, like, YouTube star, TikTok star, eSports player. Do you know what Mozart's actual Old name was? man. I know. Thank you. Do you know what who's Mozart's actual name? Yeah, Wolfgang. Yeah. So, my brother made a good point. Like, can you imagine being, like, one of the best musicians of all time and then also walking around with the name, like, Wolfgang? It's pretty, it's pretty solid. That's Strong name. super solid. That's like, cool name. Being like the best composer of all time in your era and going, yeah, hi, my name is one, Wolfgang. And Watch of, me just wreck this piano. And like, and like, like think, and then think about awesome. think about the fact that it's like to your friends, you're probably just Wolf. Yeah, right. which or is gang or gang or gang. Like you can't go wrong either like gang, way. Gang, gang. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mike Craven, the college football insider for Dave Campbell's Texas. Uh, two birthdays also though, as we're yes. doing that. Yes. Uh, one, the dearly departed Shahan uh, J. Raja. It is his birthday today. Oh, happy birthday, birthday Shahan. Uh, two. Aaron Arbuckle, one of our loyal viewers, is uh, Dirty 30 today. Oh, so happy birthday, Aaron. He asked if you have any advice, and I can ask both of you this, any yeah. advice for what it's like to be out of your 20s. Enjoy this year because 31 hurts. <laughs> 31 hurts, but now I want to see you if I get realize your, your, you're your, actually your, into it. I want to see if I get your... That's why. Yeah. Right. Turning, it's 30s, like it's not, turning 30s, uh, uh, like it's you, cool. you graduated. Yeah, yeah. and right? people I'm, usually do their 30th birthday pretty big, right. you know? I'm not in my 20s anymore. I'm a grown adult. Yeah. Like, people are going to treat I me I manage respect. my money. And then 31, you know? you're like, oh, I'm just... I'm washed. just old. Yeah. I'm a guy. I'm <laughs> just human a dude. Yeah. Um, I think that I think my 30s are better than my 20s. Oh yeah. I hear everyone your 30s, say that. Your 30s your yeah. 30s rule. Yeah. 30s I hear great. everyone say that. You're 30s, like 30s are tremendous. 30s you you have you, you know, you quit caring about You know who you are. You know who you are. You're not you like you're out of the sophomore phase of life and you're like, "All right, this is who I am. There are people who are not going to like me. That's fine. They can just go away." And my favorite part is like older guy like you know like my dad treats mm-hmm. me different now than he did when I was 25. Yes. Right? There like is you, still a stigma of you don't know what you're right, doing you're still all the kid, way. Yeah. He's still watching over you and stuff. You get in your 30s and he's like, well, it's my my job's done. Yeah. So, like, we're just buddies now. Yeah. Right? You know? And yeah. so that's really cool. Do you want to just really hang? Cool. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Anyway, hi. We're a football show. Today is <laughs> Thursday, January 27th, 2022. 301 days till Thanksgiving. Uh, happy birthday to the aforementioned Shahan J. Raja and Aaron Arbuckle. Episode 1,321. On today's show, folks, we've got Mike Craven here. We're going to talk UTSA. Do you know anything about them? 
My, I was smiling as soon, yesterday when I was like, Pickle, who are we talking about tomorrow? She was like, UTSA. I was like, ah, yeah. Home. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had to ask, I had to ask Ish, because when you came up to ask me, I was on a meeting. I said, what did Craven want? And he goes, which postmortem? I said, UTSA. He'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> don't even need notes. Yeah. It's like, he'll be perfectly Back fine. Back the show, uh, we'll have my top 10. We're a week out from realignment. We'll have my top 10 teams to watch in UIL realignment coming up here at the back half of the program. Do we have first four through the door, Pickle? We sure do. It was Tony Blaylock, just Chad on a heater, hey, that Chad. guy. Uh, Rob Hathaway and Aaron Arbuckle, the birthday boy. Welcome in, fellas. Welcome in, friend. All right. Mike Craven is here to talk about the UTSA Roadrunners and the year that they had in 2021. What I think is interesting about UTSA is I feel like coming into 2021, they had kind of become a bit of that hipster team that like a lot of the college football, you know, literati had kind of looked around and they were like, oh, like this. Oh, forget Alabama. Like they're boring. Everyone writes about them. Oh, forget, you know, Michigan. Let's talk about you, a team you didn't even know of. You don't even know about UTSA. And then they didn't haul off and like make all those hipsters look smart. Yeah, I, nobody's ever asked me more about UTSA than this year. Yeah. Right? Like, my, my degree got a lot cooler uh, this year. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I think the most impressive thing about UTSA's season is that not only did they meet expectations were, that were higher than they've ever been in program history, they exceeded them. And that's a hard thing to do, mm-hmm. right? Like, beating expectations is a very hard thing to do when you're a program that's never done it before. We have to remember, this is only their 11th football season. Right, yeah. they're on their third coach, and this coach is on his second year, and his first one was in the middle of a pandemic. They didn't even get a spring, mm-hmm. right? So to come out and play the type of football that they played was super impressive. I, I don't think I can say enough about Jeff Trailer, who was our Dave Campbell's coach of the year well, after the season. And I think that you take a look at like, oh, like take Houston for example. Houston, like even if you had high expectations for them, I think they had middling expectations last year, and they exceeded them. Uh, but to exceed those expectations, you go, oh, well, here's the history of them exceeding their expectations when they won the Peach Bowl, when they did this and that, you know, when they've won the conference back, you know, back in the day. That's you have that history of them exceeding expectations for UTSA. It's still it's important to remember this is all still new. This is all still making history there. Yeah, absolutely. Like Baylor's the perfect example. Yeah. Like when we named Jeff Trailer the head coach of the year, I had some people be like, Well, what about Dave Aranda? It's like, well, I saw a coach two years ago basically do what Dave Aranda did, yeah. right? When Matt Rule got him to the Big Twelve Championship. I've seen Art Bryles do that at Baylor and have mm-hmm. Baylor good. I've never seen UTSA compete for a conference championship before, much less mm-hmm. win one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to go from you know the team that was just happy to be there and trying to belong and going from the WAC up to uh, Conference USA so click- quickly and how will that go to a team that was favored in pretty much every mm-hmm. single game the last six weeks of the season was was really impressive. And, I mean, again, just hats off to that, to that team because a lot of those guys weren't recruited by trailer. Right. And so to go into a locker room and get guys that maybe you didn't bring into the school to rally around you and believe in your message and to go win games. And they won so many close games. Yes. And to me, you win close games by coaching and, and like continuity and belief. Yeah. And they had all of those things. And to be in year two, 
again, with the first one being in the middle of the pandemic, I think it was uh, super impressive to not wilt in the in the face of all those. He also really got the city of San Antonio to buy in mm -hmm. on them. And that's not necessarily an easy job. Like we mentioned the Spurs earlier. Obviously, I'm a Spurs fan. And it's like that's always been the thing down there. And they don't really have room in their hearts, it seems like, for a lot of other sports because they really just don't care. So when the conference championship rolled around and the entire lower bowl of the dome was full, it was like – Man, that's really impressive. He inherited a roster with 11 players from San Antonio on it. There's 33 on it now. Yeah. So and he's done what he said he was going to do. To your point, they went 6-0 and in one-score games. Yep. So they played a lot of them, but to to win on the margins, especially as a young program, is, is, is awfully impressive. Yep. Let's talk about the offense. Um, let's hand out a grade for them. This is an offense that uh, the average uh, nearly 37 points a game. Um, they looked... Every bit, the, the balance I thought was really the the striking thing for them. I I don't know how you don't give them close to a perfect grade. I mean, it was spectacular. Yeah, I tried to avoid the A plus because I felt like it'd be a little yeah. homerish. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there wasn't anything that they didn't do well. You know, they only allowed thirteen sacks. They only had thirteen turnovers all year. Mm -hmm. You know, they averaged over one hundred and fifty yards rushing, over two hundred yards passing. Frank Harris took a step forward the that for Frank I'm not sure that we thought he could even have. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he was excellent this year. Sincere McCormick was everything that we expected him to be. Uh, Zachary Franklin from Cedar Hill yeah. had a had an incredible year, and he's rewriting all of the uh, all of the record books there at UTSA. And then the offensive line was really good, which is a thing that Jeff Trailer doesn't get enough credit for. Mm -hmm. Like the man knows how to coach offensive line all the way back to his Gilmer days. Like that offensive line wasn't that great when he took over in 2020, and he's turned it in to a strength of the team. So when you take in the lack of turnovers, the lack of sacks, the amount of big plays, the balance that you talked about. There's not much that UTSA could have done differently this year to get a higher grade. So, last time we were here, we were talking UTEP, and you you said that there was an argument that they had the best receiving duo in the state, the mm -hmm. FBS level, and, and Cowing and, and Garrett. And I'm not necessarily inclined to disagree with it, but at the same time, Franklin, Cephas, and then maybe you even add like to Corey and Clark, Clark in there, yeah, right? I, I mean, you know, I, I think that I think you're right, and I and I think the reason that even I don't think of UTSA in those terms is because we consider it sincere McCormick's offense, right? That's what's so strange He's about so it. He's so good that you kind of forget how good those other parts are, and you can kind of like dismiss how good the passing game was or how good the receivers were or even how good the defense is mm -hmm. because they had that kind of guy at running back you knew they were going to rely on and uh, another thing about sincere i think is impressive is maybe his maybe in 2020 he took some teams by surprise but everybody in 2021 oh. knew what utsa was trying to do and he still almost got to 1500 yards yeah it, it was awfully impressive the, the offense was i don't think anything other than an unmitigated success uh, on the defensive side, uh, the defensive side, this is a UTSA defense that finished fifth in Conference USA in total defense. Uh, they finished, let's see, as far as scoring defense is concerned, they were third, giving up 24.6 points per game. Um, they were. There were times where they got touched up, and there were times where they had some brain farts. They were going up against teams that they should probably just, you know, sit on and they didn't like the same yeah but at the same time overall i think you take a look at what they were doing and it's hard to hard to argue about much what what they were doing they had some issues on the back end mm -hmm. you know they had some problems a little bit at safety and then Tariq wooten who's going to be an nfl player was injured for most of the mm -hmm. year um but again they forced 26 turnovers yeah 
You know, and you're going to do, you can be a bend but don't break defense and allow some big plays every now and then. If you're getting your the ball back 26 times, you add that to the only 13 turnovers on the offensive side, they're plus 13 on the turnover margin. That's how you win close games. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, sacks, I think they had 26 sacks or 33, 33 sacks. Um, and so, you know, they had big plays when necessary. Clarence Hicks. Uh, became a really good edge rusher. He was right there. I, I think he almost got. I think he was second in Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year voting. So really good. Rashad Wisdom in the back end, kind of the vacuum. You know, he just kind of cleans everything up back then. Just like a really solid football player. Um, so yeah, uh, a really good defensive effort by UTSA. I do think the offense carried them a little bit more than the defense because, like you said, there were a couple games that became pretty high scoring, and they were, you know, like Western Kentucky and stuff like that. They really got touched up in those games. Yeah, North Texas right. exposed them at that last that last game of the year. So uh, <laughs> they uh, otherwise, though, I mean that that defense was really good, and they were they were opportunistic. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, they they were very opportunistic. All right, now probably the toughest question here is uh is who's your mvp i feel like there's about four or five different guys you could go with um who who was your pick i went with frank harris because we gave him offensive mvp okay that's (laughs) fair whole year you know so you know consistency right you know like if i was like sincere mccormick people would have been like Uh, this guy snip snap snip snap i I think we knew what we were going to get from sincere mccormick Mm -hmm. we knew what we were going to get from clarence hicks and that defense rashad wisdom and those guys we knew zakari franklin and cephas those guys could really catch the ball i'm not sure we knew frank harris could be this efficient yeah Mm -hmm. And, you know, we he, thought he was a placeholder almost, you know, right. like it was it was don't get in the way. Right. Mm-hmm. Be a game manager. Don't throw interceptions. Create some plays with your legs here and there. In 2021, he became the focal point of that offense. He led some big time drives. They're not in the Conference USA championship game without that long drive against UAB where he throws the, the touchdown with one second left. That was all Frank. And so his step forward is what took UTSA from an eight and four team to mm-hmm. a 12 and 2 team and for that reason I give him the MVP. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think you could go with Zachary Franklin. I think you obviously go with Cecil McCormick. I think there's I think there's a, a couple guys in the defense you could go with. Yeah, Clarence Hicks yeah. Is, is was a tough one to pass up cuz he really did have a, a have an excellent year. 10 plus sacks, all those tackles for loss. He had the big interception against Western Kentucky that sealed the game in the regular season. So, to me Clarence Hicks was number 2. I think I'd go Frank Harris, Clarence Hicks and Cecil McCormick. But maybe that's just Sincere I mean, McCormick having such big expectations mm-hmm. that it, it doesn't – it's almost like why Jordan didn't get the MVP every season. Yeah. Right? right? Like why doesn't LeBron get the MVP every year? Because we expect him to be yeah. the best. I mean, league. you could be a real – to go back to the word hipster, you could be a hipster about, and say, like Spencer Burford and like yeah. how important he was to holding that whole offensive line together, which was, you know, really strength of the team. Having a handful of guys that you could hand the MVP out to seems like a good Oh, yeah. Thing. No. <laughs> and the seems guys good. we just mentioned, Burford, Sincere McCormick, Rashad Wisdom, Frank Harris, those are San Antonio guys. Yeah, exactly right. That's and that's, awesome. that's where they're gonna, their, their bread is going to be buttered. Uh, all right. Uh, let's now look forward to 2022. Um, again, haven't won a game in months. In fact, they're on a losing streak. Yeah, two um, out of the last three. Two out of the last three they've lost. Oh. Um, so when we take a look at 2022, uh, I, I thought I thought I was a little surprised that Sierra McCormick declared, but at the same time I think he thought, you know what, my stock's probably never going to be higher. Right. Good for him. Um the expectations are going to be increased for UTS. Like they're not going to sneak. They're not going to be the hipster team anymore as the defending conference champions. Yeah. The out of conference schedule is tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they host Houston, they play at UT. So, you know, maybe not the 11 and 0 start that mm-hmm. they had last year. 
Uh, I think that's going to be tough for UTSA fans, right? You reach the mountaintop, and then you have to reset expectations. Sincere McCormick's not going to be there. Brendan Brady also gone at running back, so they're going to have to figure out that position. Uh, but I do think with Frank Harris and those three receivers that you talked about coming back, defense is going to be pretty good. They lost their offensive coordinator mm-hmm. to Illinois, so Will Stein's going to have to step up. Matt Maddox, uh, our co-OCs. So there is some change behind the scenes going on with UTSA. Uh, but I do think with the way Conference USA is and with Western Kentucky taking a step back without Bailey Zappi at quarterback, they should enter the season as the favorite or one of the favorites next to mm-hmm. you know, maybe Marshall or something. Well, and the other thing is – you know the the recruiting for UTSA has has pretty clearly taken a jump uh, under under uh, you know Jeff Trailer. Winning helps. That's you know people want to go play for a winner, but there are going to be a couple of guys who I think are going to be able to step in and play immediate roles there. I think uh, for example they got the the sign uh, the tight end from College Station Houston Thomas. Mm-hmm. I see no reason why he can't be a guy who who is an instant impact guy on that offense and and they're gonna I mean they're gonna have some youngsters who are gonna be able to step in. I mean, they beat Kentucky for a corner out of the transfer portal yeah. that the Athletic had as one of like the top 30 available guys in the transfer portal. So, like you said, winning is important, right? And you can make that argument of do you want to go be a middle-of-the-road SEC team, middle-of-the-road Big 12 team, or you want to come win championships and compete for conference championships? They got it rolling right now. Uh, you know, Joe Price there behind the scenes doing recruiting. You know, they just have a really good energetic staff who, as Pickle was talking about earlier, has really embraced San Antonio, Mm -hmm. and San Antonio has embraced them. And that helps in recruiting because coaches start calling you. Mm -hmm. right? That's going to be the biggest advantage for Joey McGuire as well at Texas Tech is they trust Jeff Trailer, Mm -hmm. And so if you have a sophomore or a junior or even a senior that's getting overlooked a little bit, they're going to pick up the phone and be like, hey, Jeff, I got a guy for you. Yes. And he can trust their – you know analysis and, and they can trust that they're going to be good at that school so and you um, can come in on the recruiting trail and just wow him and he's yeah. going to instantly sign with you right <laughs> exactly right. right and there's not a lot of competition out there right like Mm-mm. san antonio's in and of itself in, in a lot of ways there's not a bigger football team in the city there's not an nfl mm-hmm. team um, there's not an NFL team in Austin, so you know it's, it's Houston. You can or wave Dallas. the two one zero flag the um, whole time, right? And so they've really kind of embraced that with the two one zero toughness, you know, triangle that they've done. And um, I think you're starting to see a roster kind of more represent the city of San Antonio and to a greater extent the state of Texas. It's it's exciting things down there at UTSA. Uh, he's Mike Craven. Here's our college football insider here, at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Craven Mike, and of course uh, read his stuff on TexasFootball.com and listen to the Republic of Football. You guys got you you did. <laughs> <laughs> You were you were a little worried. You wanted to make sure Dana Holgerson was going to call you, and he did. I, I was sweating it. You were sweating. Uh, it. I was sweating. It was like a fourth quarter. You know, I mean, look, seven, it's a it's busy time of year. Right, it busy is. time of year. It and so that you is, do it us a favor. Exactly right. right. So it's a, you're at the mercy, but yeah, it's just sometimes you know you're like, oh man, this is getting kind of close. But yeah, it was a, it was a great interview. So please check that out on uh, wherever you listen to podcasts on the Republic of Football. Thanks, Mike. You don't want to keep talking UTSA for the next forty five minutes. We can. Mm. I'm uh, cutting this off. We're Texas football. <laughs> Today, we're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells, and of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. Hope you'll consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas Football subscriber at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. That would, uh, that would make us all very happy. It really would. Do that. TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Makes a great gift as well. Supposed to say that. Yeah, uh, get it for, for my your, father, your for my sweetheart father's... for Valentine's Day. Oh, I was going to say for my dad's birthday, but yeah, that also too. Also that. Yeah, happy 70th. Um, yeah. All right. 
That's not today, though. So no. we'll have to do that again. All right, Pickle. It's time for Tepper's Top 10. List season. We're a week away from the UIL realignment. We're going to be live at 9 a.m. We may even go on the air a little bit early to yeah. get ready before the release of the uh, alignments at uh, at 9 a.m. But uh, we're going to do a, a show live from Birdville, have big-time guests on. You won't want to miss that. Uh, it's the biggest day in Texas high school football on the big Texas high school football calendar because it impacts every program in the state. All 1,240-something, I think there are, yes. now UIL member programs. Um, some teams are not really sweating it. Some teams kind of know exactly what they're going to be. I'll give you an example, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, a team like El Paso Franklin. El Paso Franklin uh, is a 6A school. El Paso Franklin, let me tell you, they're going to be in District 1. Yep. District 1, <laughs> 6A. I don't think I'm breaking any news there. If they are not, if El Paso Franklin is not in District 1, 6A, uh, come on this, come back and absolutely roast me. Yes. But there are pro teams like that that are not sweating it. Right. From geographic reason, and also I would say that some teams, like, Obviously, they set the number cutoff yes. for each classification. Some teams are consistently smack dab in the mm-hmm. middle of those numbers, so they don't mm-hmm. ever really have to worry about it. They don't have to it. worry about it. Yeah. There's others that there's, they're going to be sweating it. They're going to be they're wondering what their fate is going to be and what exactly the next two years of their Texas high school football existence is going to be. So I picked out 10, 10 teams that I am most interested to see uh, when the UIL realignments get released next Thursday at 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. So, we got 10 teams to watch in UIL realignments, starting with number 10. The Scots of Highland Park. So, Highland Park's moving up to 6A. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's a ton of intrigue into what they're going to do. Just because of the way that things break out, we don't, like, there. there's only a couple of places they're going to be. They're almost certainly... I'd be surprised if they weren't in Region One, um, yeah. you know, things like that. You know, like those are the types of things that that I would be I would be a little surprised if they weren't. But it will certainly be interesting to see where they land and what exactly their their district play looks right. like. Anytime you have a program like this that is moving up a classification, it is going to be very intriguing to see what they're able, especially you know, what they to the. Like largest classification absolutely to go a program like this which has always been the joke has always been the conspiracy theory has been uh, that oh it's counting yeah that the number is that that the cutoff number is highland park plus two or two exactly um well they are going to be a 6a program what exactly 6a highland park looks like we will find out next uh when or next thursday number nine let's go south to gregory portland okay so you can lump two teams in on this gregory portland and um, Corpus Christi Flower Bluff. Yes. So Gregory Portland and Corpus Christi Flower Bluff are going to be 5A Division II programs. Um, they're going to be in 5A Division II. We know that. And here's the problem. The problem for Gregory Portland and for um, and, and for teams like that is there's no other team on the coastal bend in that part of the world yeah. that is a 5A Division II program. Yeah, they're almost It's basically all... them. Yeah. And so... There's a lot of question as to what you do with them. Do you send them to San Antonio? Do you send them to Houston? Do you send them to the Rio Grande Valley? Yeah, and to put that like, in perspective, that's about two hours every single way, regardless right. of where you look at it. And so, like, there's a lot. They are stuck in the middle. They do not. There's not a great option for teams like Gregory Portland, Corpus Christi, Flower Bluff, 
where they end up shaking out, like the UIL's got a decision to make mm-hmm. with these two with these two teams because they are on a five A Division two island. And that's huge for Flower Bluff too. I mean, they went far this mm-hmm. year. They had a they're, historic year. I want to say they're semifinalists. Yeah. yeah. So keep an eye on on that. Number eight. Back up north, the Bearcats of Alito. Another. Pre, uh, another prominent program that is making the leap up. Now, Alito has not moved up in classification in a long time, but they are moving up from 5A Division 2 to 5A Division 1. And I think a lot of the question is going to be exactly what their uh, what their kind of draw looks like. Where exactly do they want to, to put them? Could they slide them into, you know, now remember where Alito is geographically. They're on like the west side of, of DFW, Worth, yeah. west of Fort Worth in Parker County. Um. Do they, but the way that things line up, do they go out west? Do they go, you know, do, are they going to be in region one where yeah. they're going to be, you know, in with the teams uh, like from Lubbock, uh, like from, from El Paso and mm-hmm. things like that? Are they going to be in region two, which is where like you're going to find places almost certainly yeah. like Longview and, and like and like Frisco Lone, Lone Star, Star. And, and things like that. Uh, Denton Ryan. Uh, are they going to be over in, you know, where are they going to land and is it going to be a hard landing? Basically, my question for them is, is it going to be a hard landing or a soft landing? Right, because um, Region 1 would be right. substantially softer than Region 2. Right. There are places that they could land that would be, oh, that's that's pretty decent. Like, they would take it. There are other places that they could land where they would go right into the blender. Mm-hmm. We don't really know exactly what Alito's situation is going exactly. to be like. We will find out exactly what it looks like uh, on Thursday. Number seven. Let's go way, 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 way south. To Laredo Laredo United. United. Now, Laredo United is a bit of a stand-in for a bigger conversation we need to have about 6A. Yeah. One of the deciding factors and one of the things that you always have to remember about UIL realignment is that there is a hard and fast number that you have to keep in your head, and that is 32. Yes. You got 32 districts. You got to fit them all in. And so... There's usually at the bottom, at, and by bottom, I mean you get to districts 30, 31, One, 32. Yeah. There's a bit of a squeeze, yeah. and especially with other areas like DFW, like Houston, those areas which are growing. You're thinking, what do those teams have to do with? Um, what do those teams have to do with teams from the Rio Grande Valley and Laredo, mm-hmm. right? The reason that you have to pay attention to this and the reason that matters is if you give an extra district to, let's say, San Antonio, Mm -hmm. or you give an extra district to Houston, or you give an extra district to DFW, that bill comes due at the end of the realignment Mm -hmm. at at districts 30, 31, 32. It's like getting through a paper. You get through all of this, and then you get to the conclusion and realize you still have 700 words that you you still need to fit in. squeeze it in. Yep. And so the question for me is going to be, does... Laredo have to go south to the Rio Grande Valley. Mm-hmm. In the past couple of years, let me make sure I'm not talking out of my rear end here, but I'm fairly certain that Laredo... They have not really had they've, to do they've that. Kind if of had anything, their, they go play some San Antonio teams. They've kind of had their own district. But that's ways, been it, yes. Right? With the squeeze, are they... Does the UIL take them and drop them south? And you may be thinking, Laredo, Rio Grande Valley, maybe you, you live in Dallas or you it's live like in It's like an hour and a half apart. Those are not close. Mm-mm. Those are not close. So keep an eye on the Laredo schools in 6A. What exactly is their fate on next Thursday? Number six. Let's go to the Hill Country and the Punchers of Mason. 2A. Mason, if you go to Google Maps right now Mm -hmm. and and, and look up 
Uh, look up Mason, Texas. Well, I know you know exactly where it is. Much about Mason, Texas. It is the town next to Lano. It is. If you were wondering, <laughs> it's in the hill country. It is. Well, it's kind of in the hill country. Yeah, it's, it's very kind of in the north for the hill country. It's kind of in the Concho Valley. Yep. It's in a weird middle spot. Mm-hmm. For the past, you know, relatively memorable group of time, they have been in Region Four. Yep. They've been down there in Region Four. Which they've is been wild. They've been down <laughs> south. They send them south. South. Yep. There is a real argument to send them west, yep. to send them north, to send them even over to, I mean, I don't know, I would need to take a look There's at it. I don't know if they go to region. That they I don't can know if they do east. I don't know if they'd go to region 1. It's too far. But they could go to region 2. Yep. And what you're talking about is removing them from region 4 where you're going to see Refurio, Shiner, the usual suspects down there in region 4. Mm-hmm. And not only taking them out of the region, but moving them to the other side of the bracket. Yep. That's a real possibility. They're on that kind of edge there. Keep an eye. Do they move region I'm sure they would love that. <laughs> Mason out of region 4 and over to region a team like a place like region 2. Yeah. That's a real possibility they could switch sides of the bracket. Mm-hmm. And that would obviously have major ramifications. Keep an eye on Mason. Number five. Uh, hang on. Boom. Franklin. How about the defending state champs in 3A Division 2? If you didn't know this, Franklin's moving up. Franklin's on the way up to 3A Division 1. They knew that. And here's the thing about Franklin. I'm putting them at number five, even though they're a defending state champ moving up. Mm-hmm. Because if you were to ask me, I think I might know where they're going. Because there's, if you take a look at the other three A Division One programs around there, mm-hmm. they don't have a ton of options. No, it's kind of they're they're very limited. They're very limited. They're in the Brass Valley. I think they're going to go north to Central Texas. Okay. okay? I think they're going to go north to Central Texas. Yeah. And 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 as Matt Step put on his on Twitter, he thinks there's a fair chance that you see Lorena and Franklin in the same district. Oh shoot. That would be two defending state champs. Both three A state champs yeah, in the fire. same district. I think there's a chance that happens. Because if you just take a look, if, if you if you take a look at the map of the teams in three A Division mm-hmm. One and you would just draw start drawing circles, you would yeah. say, Well, this is the best possible fit for Franklin. Yeah. Now they could surprise us. They always do. They could send us they could send them south. They could do something like that. But at that point, you're going into the outer Houston area. I mean... Which, because other than that, I mean, if you look down in the Brazos Valley and you go even further down to that kind of barren wasteland, it's like Shiner Refurio stuff. They're I mean, all 2 do, do you send them down to, like, you know, do they send them way west to, like, Lano? Yeah, exactly. Do they send them way south to places like Yoakum? Yoakum, yeah. You know, like... You, that would be some travel. That's travel. And so, keep an eye on Franklin... There's a fair chance they get thrown into the Central Texas blender. That'd be uh, wild. Which would be big time stone. Just keep an eye on Franklin. Number four. How about out to Beast Texas we go, Lufkin. Another program that every year we have questions about. <laughs> they're always on because that Because <laughs> they're in that weird part of the state where they don't have a ton of teams that are that are most like them. Like, like they're the same size. Um, there's a few different places you could send them. You could send them south. To Houston, which they've done before. Remember, Lufkin used to be. There were times where Lufkin would be in like a district where, like Beaumont. Mont, yep. You know which what is I mean? kind of in that super weird could, way south. You could send them south. Water. You could send them south to to Houston to like the the Golden Triangle, Triangle area. Yeah. Or do they get reunited with their old rival in Longview and move up north to, and join the, an, an East Texas district? 
Do they do something like that? Yeah. That's one thing to keep an eye on. Basically, the question for Lufkin, they're going to go either north or south. Mm -hmm. Uh, They don't really have a choice in that just because of geography. Do they go south to Houston in that kind of southeast Texas, or do they go north to east Texas? That is a big question for Lufkin. Number three. Let's go out to the middle where Abilene. Now we're getting into some some real sticking points. There are, so Abilene's a 5A Division I program. Yes. Okay. Abilene's 5A Division I program, and they got basically, you take a look at 5A Division I, there's two options, and neither of them are particularly good. No. (laughs) Option one is that they send them east to DFW. Yes. Uh, which they've done before. I remember, I want to say they were in a district like Euless Trinity. Yeah, because they try to get about that two and a half hour range yeah. of, of going, like the far east side, or far west side, rather, right. of the DFW. So they could go there Oops. to East Texas. Or I'm sorry, not East Texas, to DFW. Right. And you're probably, and, and, and perhaps you're thinking, okay, that, that wouldn't be too bad. That's an option. But based on the math, there's also an option they get sent west. And by west, I mean northwest. That they could get sent up into the panhandle with Lubbock schools, with Amarillo schools. I mean, they could be... Abilene is on an island. Oh, yeah. And they are going to be very intriguing to keep an eye on because they are a program that, of course, has has great pedigree, but they could go east, they could go north, west. Yeah, and that's so hard lot of places because you would go. think that it's probably a little bit easier in the competition standpoint if you go west, but that's also, I mean, a hefty gas bill. <laughs> oh, yes, that is absolutely true. Okay. Number two. We talk about another reigning state champion, the Stephenville Yellow Jackets. Well, another conversation we have every year in 4A Division One. Mm-hmm. So Stephenville, of course, is the reigning 4A Division One state champs. They will stay in 4A Division One. But where they are in the big country, they can get sent. In the past few years, you remember, they've been in the district. Is Stephenville considered big country? Boy, you're opening up a can of worms. <laughs> kind of depends on what you think. Yeah, right? I wouldn't consider them big country, but I don't know what I would consider them. They're they're, if you in ask. The mi- they're kind of in in the middle. Yeah, right. They are a they are a they are right in the middle. Mm-hmm. They could go to like the DFW area. Yeah, which is where they've been. They've been. They've been. You know, they, they could go DFW. They could go Central Texas. They could go big country out west. They could go any which way. Could literally go and region one through three. They really could. They could go Region 4 in strain, in a strange circumstance. If they really wanted to get a little wacky, the UIL wanted to get a little wacky, they could be a Region 4 team. There's a few things that would keep them from doing that, but they could if they yeah. wanted to kind of circle it back up and make them like District 13. Like when uh, – think about like Mason. Like Mason is a Region 4 Yeah, they're 14, over in the same – And it's it's a little bit of a, of a, a – That would be the northernmost right. point of a Region 4. Stephenville's super interesting. Keep an eye on them. Do they go north to D, northwest to D, northeast DFW – west or do they go like southeast to central texas yeah that is one to keep an eye on because they're a bit in in a bit of a uh, a bit of a mix finally number one let's go back to coach kevin hoffman's still squad (laughs) of the mark panthers and this is this is another one that we talk about every time realignment comes out it's just because of where they are yep um and 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 look there's there's basically there's a few things that we know about Mart. Mart is in the Waco area, just in case. Mart's in Waco, if you didn't know. But the way that 2A Division Two is shaped, they are right on that edge where they could be District 8, mm-hmm. 
Uh, maybe District 7. I would need to look at the math. Maybe District 7. They could be District 9, which I believe they've been the past few years. Yes. They could be District 10. They could be any of those regions. And you're probably thinking, Tepper, why does that, why Why do you care? Yeah. It just why does it matter? Yeah. <laughs> because you're talking about a, a, one of the most decorated programs in Texas high school football history that could be on either side of the bracket. And that that would fundamentally shape what the playoffs look like in 2A Division II going forward for the next two years. If they're on the... They've, the past few years, they've been in Region 3. And so they've kind of gone through Region 3. They played a team like Fall City in the, in, in the state semifinal, and mm-hmm. they played a team from either Region 1 or Region 2. Imagine taking... The, think about moving the Chiefs to the NFC. Yep. That's what this would be like. Yep. You move them to the other side of the bracket. That's very possible. Mm-hmm. And if they move over there, simply because of the way that things, the, the way that the, the schools are, are mixed up mm-hmm. and the way that the schools are, are laid out, there is a chance that UIL, that they, they move from District 9 to District 8, which doesn't seem like a huge deal, but would have massive ramifications. Yes. That's going to be one of the first things I look at when I get the, the alignments next Thursday. Do you take a look, like, what is the number district that Mart is in? Because mm-hmm. they're number 8, things are about to get thrown Asunder, which is so crazy that the one yeah. number difference can have just monumental shift like that. I know, it's it's crazy. So anyway, those are the, my top ten teams to watch when the UIL realignment comes out next Thursday. Remember, we'll have our UIL realignment special next Thursday. Probably, let's say, let's just go ahead and say eight fifty. Yeah, eight fifty a.m. live from Birdville, mm-hmm. uh, where we will be talking with coaches. We'll be breaking down uh, the alignments. Uh, Hither and Yon will be having Matt step on the phone to help us break it down too. So make sure you tune into our UIL realignment special next Thursday live from Birdville starting at 8.50 a.m. Let's go over to Ashley Pickle for America's second favorite segment. Final thoughts? Um, That show is happening on a Thursday, but I'm going to go ahead and throw up this graphic again to promote the show happening on Wednesday. We'll have a very, very abnormal week of shows next week. Uh, Wednesday, National Signing Day at 10 a.m. We're going live. We will not have a normal noon show Wednesday or Thursday, but we will be going live. We'll have live commitments on National Signing Day from uh, Lancaster running back Isaiah Broadway, mm-hmm. Highland Park defensive end Jack Curtis, and Southlake Carroll tight end RJ Maryland. We'll have basically... All DCTF crew, hands on deck. We're super excited for this. So 10 a.m. on Wednesday, National Signing Day special, and then 8.50 a.m. on Thursday for realignment special. I believe I can say we're waiting to get – one of the things we're, we're asking the guys to do, like just pull up back curtains, ask them for, like, finalists, right? Yeah, like, you know, your top three. You know, RJ Maryland's got, what, 25 offers? Yeah. It's like, you know, we're not going to have 25 logos out there. What are, like, your top three, your top five? I believe the top – we got the top three from Jack Curtis. It's going to be either Army, Air Force, or Princeton. Yes. So you can uh, tune in to find out which of those he chooses. We're really excited about this. Um, you know, and, and, and hopefully have more commitments live in studio uh, yep. throughout the course of the year, too. So we're trying to do that kind of thing, and we're, we're very excited for it. Anything else? Nope, that'll be it. It's going to do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And, of course, see us at texasfootball.com. Thanks again to our buddy Mike Craven for hopping on talking a little UTSA football. For Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please come get your Player of the Year trophy. We will see you tomorrow for... Helpful Honda Mailback Friday and other things on Texas Football Day. Oh, yeah, we have a guest tomorrow. JT O'Sullivan is going to be on the show. So join us. Bye.